this morning. Welcome. It is. Don't at me. I am the legendary Dan Dockett. That's right. I'm referring myself as legendary today because yesterday, look, there are only very few people in this country that can move the needle. In fact, in college basketball, there are only two people that move the needle, Charles Barkley and myself. And we both do it for the same reason. One, we give you insights and actually many reasons. One, we give you insight and truths that very few can give you. We're not afraid. Let's go that route. We're not afraid to make mistakes. Second, when we make a mistake, we tell you we made a mistake. That's what we do. We made a mistake. What are you going to do? Third, we got dynamic personalities that everybody seems to either love or they hate. And fourth, we tell the media dirtbags, kiss our backside. And that's what we're always going to do. So yesterday... I'm sitting there minding my own business, sweet as you please. The show is over. I'm answering some emails. I'm sitting up in my chair. I got a diet A&W root beer working. I'm getting ready to go work out. And here it comes. Here it comes, ladies and gentlemen, across my desk. (laughs) It's not really a desk. It's across my big fat guy chair where I say this, show what I put out there, will you please? I got fooled, ladies and gentlemen. I got fooled and I responded to a fake tweet by a guy named Jeff Bozzello, who is a writer for ESPN. I responded to it and I said, my people are telling me Zach Eady in the transfer portal, the transfer portal and NIL suck, which I believe that they do. I think they suck from a coach's standpoint. However, This is a little gag that I do, and those of you that listen to me know it. I just see what somebody else put, and then I put it out as my own because I don't like the media and I don't respect them. Boom! Everything was fine. People were actually buying it, and then this happened from the National Player of the Year, Zach Eady. Here's Zach Eady's response to this. My sources are telling me this is false. Solid tweet. I respected it. I put back, hey, good for you. Now you know what's going to happen. See, this is what happens with me. It's the same old little blogger, boys. It's the same old angry little fan. I swear to God, if you got a beard, you're in your 20s, and you haven't quite made it on Twitter or social media or maybe in your life, certainly with a girl, then you're mad at me. I can't help that you can't get laid, all you little guys. I can't help you do that. Look, it ain't my job. I just give you the best sports take, the political take, and I rant occasionally. I can't help you West Virginia, Michigan State, little Indiana girl that I wouldn't date back in the 1980s. I can't help your bitterness. Little blogger boys in Indiana, the biggest coward in media, Jeff Goodman, the biggest D-bag in media, some guy, Division III player named Rob Doster and others. I can't help the big lead. If they're such D-bags, nobody follows them. I can't help Mike DeCourcy and the boys at the Sporting News because they got no following. But what I can do is tell you this. I got no people. I don't want no people. But all of these little bags. Well, you're not a journalist. You're damn right I'm not a journalist. I'm a truth teller, a storyteller, a soothsayer, an entertainer. And then it started. All the same little bags. That little tweet by me got 3.5 million engagements, views, whatever you call it. That little tweet by Zach Eady got himself about 4.5 million. 
Nobody moves the needle like me, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody. Like, I hear why you got fired from every job. I haven't been fired from one single job. Not one. And don't at me about getting something wrong. Hell, the Indy Star's been getting it wrong. I got it at my head. Everybody gets a tweet wrong. I got it wrong. What do you want me to tell you? Well, I can't believe you're a journalist. I'm not. I'm an entertainer. I'm the smartest guy. You know, I tell you things are going to happen before they don't, so don't at me. And then, of course, the mean tweets came. And I wish I knew how to put the face. Like some people say, if you're, you know, a docket supporter, and they put a bunch of white guys there, right? They act like I'm some sort of racist. You know, I wish I could do that on docket's haters. All right, you mean tweeters, this is your moment in the sun. This is the day in your life. Works cited. Yeah, I don't care. I don't even know what that means. I didn't go to class when I was in college. Why would I go to class? I can get through all this stuff, write a few papers in telecom. I'm not citing work. I don't have to. It's Twitter. What else you got? (laughs) Oh, man. It's actually hilarious that the entire Big Ten can come together and say that Dan Dockage blows. No, I swallow. I do better than blowing. I'll tell you right now. No, no, no. See, the entire Big Ten, here's what this guy was named. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. How are you? Hello, Brandon's angry. Here's what the entire Big Ten does. The entire Big Ten waits and hangs on my every word because the entire Big Ten understands that I'm the only guy in that conference or around that conference that's going to tell you how it is. When Cassius Winston was fat, I told you the coaching staff said he needed to get in better shape. I didn't say he was fat. When the guy named Woodbury was poking people in the eye and punching them on the back, I said he was a coward. See, the entire Big Ten and the entire nation now, because of this show, hangs on my every word. Now, it's a responsibility that I take unserious. It's a responsibility that I don't care even a little about. I'm going to tell you what I think, how I think it, and why I think it. And the entire Big Ten can hang on this. Because that's what they do. Anybody else had 12,000 people? 12,000 people? Channing, we hate Dockage because I told the truth about people that go to Michigan State couldn't get into Michigan, and that's why they went to Michigan State. And Michigan State proves it. They prove it every day with their stupidity. And I'm the only guy that'll tell you. All right, what else? Hangs on my every damn word. His people appear to be whatever BS he reads on Twitter. Duh, you think, Chet? You think? (laughs) Chet's an idiot. Chet couldn't let it go, but Chet doesn't understand the joke. See, the joke is that's exactly what I do because I have so little respect for the media. What I do is I see what's reported and I say my sources are telling me it's a joke on my Twitter. It is. It absolutely is. But these guys, well, you know, Dockage is people. I don't have people. Let me tell you something. I probably talk to one living adult a day in person. But you hang on my every word, and I love it. I, I love it. I mean, if I say it, you know, number one, I mean it. You know, number two, it's true. But you know, number three, if it isn't positive to your little team or your little group, you're going to bitch about it, and I love it. His entire people appear to be whatever BS he reads on Twitter. Now you're doing some thinking. I mean, I got to tell you, this reached the New York Post. 
Who knew the sporting news was a thing? The big lead's still a thing. A little dweeb named Ryan Phillips. Last time I saw, I'm not going to tell you what he was doing with Jay Billis. <laughs> anyway, or trying to do. Jay was having none of it. Jay, no, no, no. Jay was having absolutely none of it. But Ryan Phillips, it was interesting. All right, what's next? <clears throat> Zach Eady looking at this tweet. Oh, man. That is menacing. I better run and hide or call St. Peter's. I better run and hide or call Fairleigh Dickinson to protect me. (laughs) What did Matt Painter say after they lost to Fairleigh Dickinson? Fellas, 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 pack up quick and get out of here before Fairleigh Dickinson comes down here and kicks our backside again. Oh, that is menacing. (laughs) Quick, call St. Peter. Oh, man. All right, what else? Uh, Dockage's source. World of pure imagination. No, my source was a fake Jeff Brazello account, you goof. What's wrong with you? I mean, get with the program. Matt Grausenbach. I'm sure Matt is a big-time journalist. Matt demands journalism. He's a former college and high school coach. I like mid-major and small college uh, basketball. Uh, Wisconsin State sports fan. Florida man. Okay, Matt, bearded, dweeb, bearded. You'll see a common thing here, theme. Here he is, dweeb, bearded. It's what all these guys are. You were mean to my Badgers. Your Badgers sucked yesterday. Let's be honest. Your Badgers sucked. I love Greg Gard. I really like Greg Gard, but that timeout he called was idiotic, and not to get a call at the end was horse bleep. Let me go through it with you, if you don't mind. The Badgers, 182 now in six, when leading by a dozen at half. The Mean Green of North Texas, eight and 101, when trailing by 12 at half. Slowest team in America. Not not Wisconsin, no, no, not Wisconsin, no. The mean green of North Texas, and they came back because your coach called an idiotic timeout and your players didn't get a shot off. Mm. Hi, Matt. I got my beard. I'd like to trim it. What else? What else we got? Uh, Zach Eady is in the transfer portal. Let's go to bed, Dad. Uh, An old joke. See, here's the deal. Guys like that, I can kick the living crap out of in about two minutes. It'd take me about two minutes, but we got the Commodore, the whatever this guy called. What does he call himself? The Commodore. All right, the Commodore. Yay, rah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Old jokes. See, what's going on with that? Why do we allow ageism? This guy would be the first guy to whine, blank, and moan, right? We should not allow ageism. That's an ageist statement. That's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. (laughs) All right, who's next? Don't worry, guys. Don't worry, guys. Hi, guys. Don't worry, the new Twitter rules will at least save Dan from his people. Oh, hi, Sean. Hi, guys. Don't worry, guys. I like guys that say, hey, guys. I like that, and I like, uh, what, wait, what, wait, what, guy? 
I love wait what guy? What wait got what what wait? What uh what wait what? Those are my favorite guys. Wait, what? Hi guys. Don't worry guys. Dan will be saved. My people let me down. What did I tell you? Let's get a look. Hold on. What did I tell you? Bearded. D-bag bearded. Your mom is so slow, it took her only six months to make a joke. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Move along. That one's no good. There were far worse. Some guy called me the worst human being on earth. Is there a bigger loser in sports than Dockage? Can't be. Yes, I am a loser. But you, Craig, and literally everybody in and around the Big Ten and the country hangs on my every word, and I got to tell you, I'm here for you. I am. Look at him. Bearded. D-bag. They all look the same. All these little angry white guys that uh, are jealous, they're all the same guy. Bearded. Hi, I'm goofy white guy. Bearded. You're a clown, Dan. I know. I I know. I I really am. I know. Because, well, you know, you get a tweet wrong. And, uh, yeah. Bearded. (laughs) What's this guy's name? Brosy. Hi, Brosy. All right, Brosif. The level of D-bag in the world that exists in and around me is fascinating. All right, who's next? L, David Moore, L, oh, okay, David Moore. Uh, You got to be original. You got to call me human garbage or something. Who's next? (laughs) Uh, I am a journalist. Yes, I am. Oh, well, uh, that's me in the morning. But I tell you what, me and Lee still got, I mean, don't be jealous because I got the biggest platform. I tell the truth. You hang on my every word. And I'm married to a lookalike of Jennifer Aniston. And I'm on more freaking drugs than I'm like Benjamin Buttons and I chase her around at 60. No Viagra for this guy. Don't be jelly. What else you got? We got a lot of them, apparently. Some days you just got some days you just gotta have fun. I got all these bearded guys. Well, you know, uh Dockage, you suck. Yes, I suck. Suck it, people. Suck it. Oh, man. The the New York Post. Um, Brian Morrow says, couple things on this. Dockage is the worst person in the industry. He hates anyone who is not himself, and especially hates bracketologists, bloggers, and for no reason. He also uses his propaganda to push his agenda. Yes, propaganda, my agenda for NIL. This is a guy bearded. Bearded. Hi, I'm Brian Morrow. Uh, I tweet about college basketball a lot and write some words on it for busted brackets. I do words for a Red Sox life as well. He, him. Bearded with pronouns. A special kind of douchebag. I, he, him, they, they're us. And don't offend me because I feel like a tree today. Oh, 
man, there is a special kind of bearded D-bag. Hey, look, I like what Zach Eady did. I'm for that, but don't act like I sit there and hang on any words of players. I mean, are you nuts? Are you crazy? I like it, though. Good for Zach Eady, man. We'll see. Maybe he will transfer. Here's the thing with uh, Edie, and I think this is true. I think that he can't really get a better NIL deal anywhere. And to be serious for just a second, uh, I was talking about – actually, I was driving on the street a couple days ago, and I heard it on Sirius XM Radio. They were talking about him, and they said because of his visa, whatever it was, that he can't get a big NIL deal, which makes what I did even more irresponsible. If I cared about journalistic integrity, if I cared about being a journalist, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a truth teller, storyteller, entertainer, opinion maker. If you don't like it, kiss my backside. I did go to telecommunications school, so I did learn the rules of journalism from a guy that had never written anything in his life or been on TV, and I didn't want to listen to him. I'm a journalist. (laughs) We got a lot to get to today. We sit there and we wait for Lamar Jackson. Now, let me ask you all a question, simple question. What's going on here? Simple question. Do you want Lamar Jackson on your team? I cannot believe that there is anybody, anytime, anywhere saying they do not want Lamar Jackson on their team. I'm not sure we can be friends. Look, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is the end-all, be-all, but why wouldn't you want him on your team if I were the Jets Hey, look, I get it. You're going down the marriage line. You're going down uh, with Aaron Rodgers, and that's cool. But why wouldn't you want at least take a freaking little flyer on Lamar Jackson? See, my thing is this. My thing is I want to win, period. I want to win. I have no interest. I have no interest, not even a little bit. Hey, you guys, can you change the YouTube thing instead of the so? Can you just put Zach Eady? That way, you know, people will go to it. The so is going to screw it up a little bit. Anyway, the Bears already have Lamar Jackson on the team. That may or may not be true. They don't need it. The Colts don't. The Colts have Sam Ellinger. I'm going to say it again. The Colts have Sam Ellinger. There is, (laughs) we should have D-bag Tuesdays. You're right. That'd be every day, although it's Wednesday. The Colts have Sam Ellinger and Gardner Minshew. I don't want to go into a season if I'm the Colts with Sam Ellinger and Gardner Minshew. I don't want to go into the season if I'm Atlanta. I don't want to I, look if you're Carolina, go get a rookie. Absolutely. You got the number one pick. You like CJ Stroud. You like Bryce Young. You go get him. But I don't want to go into a season if I am the Colts with Sam Ellinger, Gardner Minshew as a stop back, stop gap, whatever you call it. Heck no. Give me, right now, Lamar Jackson. Now, a lot of you are saying, well, he is going to. It's all a mute point. He's going to stay with the Ravens, but that's not true. You don't have to sign him to an offer sheet and make a trade. You can just make a trade. Hey, Dan, tweet that your sources say that Lamar is to the Colts. Yeah, I'm going to say my people. (laughs) Hey, he should go to the Colts. Heck, yeah, why wouldn't you go to the Colts? What else you got to do? If I'm Lamar Jackson... I'm asking to be traded to the Colts. Here's why. You got a fast turf for eight games. You're playing in great weather, which means you're not going to have to slog through and take hits in Pittsburgh or in Cleveland or in Cincinnati. You're playing on fast turf. Fast equals better. Fast equals out of bounds. Fast equals less hits. 
for Jackson. Slower means more hits. A quagmire means so you got to think about that, and you're playing basically your season in warm weather or in a dome. That's something that has to matter. My problem, if I were Lamar Jackson, is I would say, okay, number one, money. Are you giving me money? But number two, show me your weapons. Show me what weapons you have. Now, money trumps it all. Don't get me wrong. So money would be up here. But I want to know your weapons. If you're the Colts and I'm Lamar Jackson, Michael Pittman, look, I get it. Colts fans think, oh, my God, he's a WR1. Oh, my God, in that room, he's so good. No, he can't play because he's too slow. I can play a little bit, but he's too slow, period. He's too slow. So at the end of the day, uh, I don't know what to tell you other than, frankly, he's too slow. So then who's your weapon? All right, Jonathan Taylor, solid weapon. Absolute solid weapon. You got to have him. Tight ends, Granson, nothing there. Mo Alley Cox can't catch a ball out of his range. Alec Pierce, wide receiver, possibly. This is what I'm looking at if I were Lamar Jackson. I want to go where there's weapons. I want to go where I am going to make others better, but also they're going to help me. So if I'm Lamar Jackson, all this factors in. Again, he requested a trade on March 2nd. All right, what's Aaron Rodgers going to do? And we're going to get into all of this coming up here in a minute with uh, Armando Salguero, who is live from the owners' meeting. But what's Aaron Rodgers going to do, and how long do you wait on him? And here's the quandary with Aaron Rodgers. You're not only dealing with Aaron Rodgers. Let's be totally honest here. Look, the Green Bay Packers aren't just giving this guy away. The Green Bay Packers, over the years, have bent over backwards for Aaron Rodgers. They have acquiesced to damn near every move Aaron Rodgers wants to make. Every one. So, at the end of the day, uh, I don't know. I'm getting something for him, period. I'm not messing around. I'm getting something for him. I'm not doing it out of spite. I'm doing it for business. I want something legitimately good that can help me in two areas, this year and the future. But remember, I'm giving up Aaron freaking Rodgers. So, I want um, uh, whether it's a player Players, fine, great, or I want that I'm getting and I want something to help me in the future. Now, that's what I'm doing. Is it possible? You know, everybody has come out and said, in both cases, Aaron Rodgers has said, I want a trade. Green Bay said he's he's going to get a trade. That lessens your leverage. Lamar Jackson says, hey, look, I've asked for a trade. That lessens the leverage of the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not giving away either guy just because they get a little conniption and they want to be given away. I'm not doing it. There's no way in hell I'm doing that. No chance. Rodgers, you want to go? You're going to go on our timetable when we get the best deal. And the other thing that's complete crap, is that Rodgers, who acts like he's an adult and above it all, by all accounts, or at least according to the Green Bay general manager, isn't returning calls. Are you out of your mind? What's wrong with you? You got to return the calls, people. You got to return the calls. You got to act like an adult. When you want something, you got to act like an adult. You do. Washington Commanders, let's talk about them. They've got some weapons. Terry McLaurin's a heck of a weapon. All right, here's the deal. Are you going to go into a season 
with, oh, I don't know. They've said Sam Howell is your starting quarterback. Are you going to do that, or are you going to do what teams that are trying to win should do? What is that, you ask? I'll tell you exactly what that is. Let's go get Lamar Jackson. And anybody that thinks differently, I welcome the conversation. But let's be honest. Will Lamar Jackson get a guaranteed contract? Jimmy Ursay says, I don't believe in fully guaranteed contracts. My question is, why not? Let me ask you. Let me ask you this. If you are Jimmy Ursay, why are you saying that? You're saying that because you either legitimately don't believe in guaranteed contract, which I think is the case, but you're also trying to establish some ground rules for Lamar Jackson coming to the Colts. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing ground rules be discussed here. Look, I'm not giving, I'm not bending over backwards and giving you guaranteed money because you're wanting out of Baltimore and we have a spot available. You know, the Colts have been a little bit vocal here. I thought it was weird a few weeks ago when people said, well, you know, the Colts came out and said that they are not in the, in the running for Lamar Jackson. I didn't see that anywhere. And now they're being a little bit vocal. Now you've seen Ballard, who won't make the call. It'll be Ursay and his daughter. Well, you know, anytime there's a great player, you got to do your work on him. All right. I agree with that. I think everybody would agree with that. But let's be honest. Let's not bull uh, each other here. Everything that is said in the media by an owner, by a coach, by a player, by an agent is meant for something, period. It's meant for some reason. Somehow, some way, they're getting something done out in the media. I used to do it as a coach. Instead of having to yell and scream in there, I knew mommies and daddies and players read the paper back in those days. It was the paper. It was the Toledo Blade. It was the Bowling Green Sentinel, the Wood County Sentinel, whatever the heck it was, News Sentinel. So I would get said in the paper what I wanted to get across on a broader scale. Don't think for a second that's not transpiring here. College basketball, the portal, I got little mommies. I got some little girl, or not little girl, she's a tough athlete actually, uh, named Paris, Sydney Paris. I knew her dad, Sean, great guy. Uh, I said, you know what, the... Uh, the portal and the NIL is crap. Well, of course, she responded, we think it's really good. Good. You think it's really good. Caleb Love is leaving North Carolina. Caleb Love, one of the cogs in North Carolina's run to a national championship game last year. He's leaving because he wants to grow as a player. Yeah, okay. All right. You're leaving because nobody wants you around. You're leaving because they're tired of you. All right, we're going to get, looks like Armando is trying to hook up here. We're going to come back with Armando Sagara. Live from the owners' meeting. Catch you up on more headlines when we come back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. You know, the owners' meeting has been about uh, a lot, and there are different things that have been passed, haven't been passed, but the owners' meeting really, at least for the fans, is what's going to lo- happen with Lamar, what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Those are the things that people are 
at least fans are talking about. Armando Segura is there. Uh, is that what's the talk at the owners' meeting, or is that just more for fans than owners? Oh, no. <laughs> it is uh... – it is a full-on NFL event, Dan, and all the owners are here, all the head coaches are here, all the general managers are here, Odell Beckham was here, Lamar Jackson made his presence known a couple of days ago. Uh, it's it's full-on, don't-stop-can't-stop stop type situation, news-wise. But is it, is it mostly there about uh, Rodgers and Jackson? Or, you know, there's been some votes uh, come down on some different things. Is it more about those guys than it is about anything else? I think that's what fans probably think about more. Uh, obviously, yesterday, a couple of uh, resolutions and bylaws were passed. So now players are able to wear the number zero. Um you know, and a lot of them will because, you know, guys like to be different and like to, you know, stand out. So that will be happening. And also the NFL owners yesterday passed a resolution that said that now teams can play two short week games per season instead of one. That means Thursday night. Um, and you know, players don't love to do that. Some coaches don't love to do that. They love the 10 days after they play on a Thursday night, but they don't like the fact that they place, uh, like on a Sunday and then have to come back, uh, four days later and play again. And now they might have to do that twice a year instead of once a year. And that's got big-time pushback, right? A lot of people, not only players, but even – who did I see? I saw Mara, maybe the Giants owner, said, wait a second, let's think about the fans here, right? Maybe that was about flex scheduling. Right. So here's the problem with the Thursday night flex scheduling. Um, the NFL owners tabled that idea until their May meeting, and they may or may not – do it. The problem with flex scheduling is uh, Amazon paid $11 billion with a B <laughs> for the rights to, to uh, stream the Thursday night games to the entire country. And at the end of last season, the ratings cratered because some of those games just did not involve teams that were you know, relevant at that time. So the NFL wants to fix that uh, and do right by its partner by perhaps flexing games that are more relevant into Thursday night. But there is a group of owners, and right now it's the majority of them, that said we don't want to do that because you cannot tell someone who is expecting to go to a Sunday game probably – or perhaps on their day off, obviously something that they've planned, and now tell them, hey, um, the game won't be on Sunday. It's going to be on Thursday night. Uh, you better be there, you know, regardless of your other scheduling plans and your work and whatever, and be there. And by the way, mess up your Friday morning because you're going to be in traffic until 1 in the morning getting out of the stadium. Um 
So those are things that the NFL is thinking about. It's, uh, it, it's an interesting debate that they're having, and I'm glad that I don't have to decide it. No, me too. <clears throat> me too. Uh, I, I am very glad that they don't ha- I don't have to decide that. But I will say this. Uh, it was nice to see, at least publicly, an owner step up for the fans. You know what I mean? It, it was nice to see that. It was nice. It, whether it's talk or not, I don't know, and I don't care. It was just nice to see. Yeah, he didn't just step up. He 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 stepped up and he was holding a torch and a pitchfork and he was ready to burn the castle yeah. down. Yeah. Uh, John Mara of the New York Giants called the idea of uh, flexing Thursday night games abusive to fans. He said that we're you know we're not thinking of the people that pay to come to the game. And to a degree, uh, you know, Roger Goodell said, no, we're not abusive. We love all of our fans, but we also love the millions of fans that are watching on television. And so that's the balance that they have to try to find. Um, Ultimately, on the one side, Dan, you've got um, owners that care more about the fans that are in-house, that are buying beers, that are buying popcorn or whatever um and there are owners that care more about the fans that are sitting on their couch and those are the people that are watching amazon and making their 11 billion dollar investment worthwhile to that nfl partner in stuck in between are the coaches and the players who you know are expecting to do one thing and then 15 days before or 10 days before a scheduled Sunday game, they get told, Oh no, 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 it's not on Sunday. It's four days earlier on Thursday or whatever it is, three days earlier on Thursday. Um, and obviously you won't be able to practice to, to prepare for that game. Um, and if you're traveling, you have to leave on Wednesday. So you get, two days to recover and then get, get on a plane and go. It's uh, it's going to be a, it's a problem for people and it's a problem for some players as well. What was Odell Beckham doing at the owner's meeting? Something smart. Uh, He can't, he lives in Arizona. Yeah, he came, he lives in Arizona. He trains in Arizona. So he came over to the Biltmore, which if you've ever been here, Dan, I know that you roll large at uh, all the ritzy hotels. So come to Arizona and, you know, uh, show yourself to be the king here as well as normally when you're in Florida or Indiana or anywhere else where you're the king. Um, Sure. Come here and show himself to the Jets to the Ravens, to the Giants. He's basically glad-handing, reminding them that he's eager, reminding them that he's available, and trying, you know, it's it's obviously a relationship business in part. When a receiver of that ilk uh, is still unsigned at this point of free agency, I get it. 
It's always about money, but he is trying to overcome the fact that teams want to pay less and he wants more, and he's trying to overcome that with whatever bit of goodwill and persuasion that he can that he can muster. So it, they weren't official meetings because at the time that he was talking with Robert Sala, uh, the head coach of the Jets, and Joe Douglas, the general manager, Woody Johnson was off doing something else. So it wasn't like really an official meeting. He missed the guy that's actually putting up the money or would be putting up the money. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it can hurt in any way. I think it was a smart business move. I do, too. I mean, I, I think it's a brilliant business move. So he's like that guy that buys all the property uh, around a Walmart. He sees, here comes Aaron Rodgers, baby, uh, to New York. I like New York. I'm big in New York. I want to go to New York. Thus, the hug was solid is the way I read into it. Maybe I'm wrong. No, that's fair. You know, the one that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me uh, at this point is the Ravens. Because, number one, <laughs> they don't have any salary cap space. They've got $32.4 million tied up in a franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. And then number two, they might lose Lamar Jackson. So you're going to go to, you know, the Ravens and have whom as the quarterback? Uh, I, right. uh, hey, whoa, 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 and, whoa, and I know whoa. that OBJ will be hey, happy with whoever. Brett Hundley is in, uh, is a pro bowler. Okay. <laughs> you know, he's from South Florida, uh, and all I right. love all the South Florida guys, but okay. Okay. I No, you know, uh, so what do you think? I've said this, and I, and I want you to tell me if you think I'm wrong. There are always two sides to things. People think, well, Aaron Rodgers said he wants to get traded uh, to the Jets. That's great, but... If I'm Green Bay, I got to get the best thing I can get for him, right? I got to get something to help me now and something to help me later, and I'm not just bending over for Aaron Rodgers until I get the deal that I want, correct? Fair. That's totally fair, but obviously the New York Jets are saying the same thing, right? And the Green Bay Packers want to trade Aaron Rodgers. Uh, They want to to get something for Aaron Rodgers. In fact, they – They've already moved on. They're, they're all in on Jordan Love. They recognize, and in fact, I asked uh, Matt LaFleur, look, the offseason is about upgrading. How are you upgrading moving on from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love? And he admitted that they're not upgrading. <laughs> so, so there's that. <laughs> but the point is that train has left the station. And now it's, we are all in on, on Jordan Love, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be draft capital that we're going to add. The problem is, uh, for a time there, they wanted a first-round pick. Um, and the Jets have the number 13 overall pick, which is very high for Aaron Rodgers, who may play one year and retire. 
or who knows at age 39, 40, if he's going to be his, his, his typical MVP self, or if he's going to be something much less, which he was last year. So the Jets don't want to pay that. My guess is they'll find um, a medium somewhere that involves a second round pick. The Jets have two of them. It makes sense that they would give one of those up for Aaron Rodgers uh, and maybe something next year as well, obviously, that comes in on a conditional basis. Whereas if Aaron Rodgers is playing in 2024, you know, it's a higher pick. But if he is retired after this year uh, and didn't play all that great, then it's a lower pick. All right, my man. The me- when the meetings end? Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, what I'm heading over there right now to, to clean some stuff up, but pretty much everybody has left. Um, so, you know, I'm going to catch up with a couple of people. and uh, But th- they are all off to, um, you know, unnamed parts and places. Yeah. Wherever they live. Yeah. And South Florida doesn't care about football. It's become the basketball capital of the United States. So there you go, big boy. There you go. Hey, you opened that door. I, I recognize that you know that I'm a University of Miami alum. Um, yeah, who did yeah. they beat on the way to? Who did they beat? On the way to the final my four. Ass, was, was... My sorry-ass <laughs> Indiana Hoosiers that were overrated, <laughs> soft as hell. And I'll give them Miami credit. They made my Hoosiers quit. They quit, Indiana <laughs> did. So you kicked our, you know what, Armando, you kicked the crap out of us. And, I hey, I don't mind you kicking the crap out of us in football, pal. But basketball, son of a biscuit maker. Right. It, the world is upside down. South Florida has not won but two teams in the Final Four. No, uh, no. It, it's just stunning. It, it, we're, we're in disbelief. Let's put it that way. I know. <laughs> Appreciate you, my friend. Travel safe, please, and thank you. Thank you, Dan. All right. That's the great Armando Seguera reminding me that my Hoosiers quit. I mean, they quit like dogs, they quit. And I don't care if anybody's mad at me. I don't care if any, they quit. Well, you can't talk about kids that way. They ain't kids. They're like 28 years old making half a million dollars a year. And you know what? They quit. That's it. They quit. They stopped playing. And Armando's team The Miami Hurricanes beat our backside. And that's right, I say our because I was there 17 years. There's nothing I can do in it. Nothing. Nothing. Yes, I look like John Fetterman today. Is this my Fetterman look? I can't. I got a thing in the back. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm either that or Uncle Fester. I hate being bald. I hate not having hair. I hate not even having my swoosh. I hate it. I do. I do. I'm sorry. I I don't like it. All right. Let's talk about something more pleasant, shall we? Thanks to everybody on the YouTube chat. 
Uh, Jennifer's getting a sad out over Indiana basketball. The only thing, when your team loses to a team that just beats the living crap out of them, and you came into the year and you had great expectations, the only thing that helps is to get a recruit or two. Because you got to understand at Indiana, man, let's go. We're always ready for banner number six. We're always ready for a party. People asked me early, are you going to the Final Four? My answer was, yeah, when Indiana makes it. Yeah, they didn't come close. All right, the gambling industry, the U.S. gambling industry, I like this, is uh, banning colleges and college athletes from signing deals with sportsbook. Uh, any existing sportsbook deals with schools must be terminated July 1st. Look, there's money over here, people. Come on. LSU, Michigan State, Colorado, Maryland, and University of Denver. You see them right there. All have to get rid of pretty lucrative deals. That is not from the NCAA. So when everybody oh, when everybody says, hey, you know what? We got to do this. We got to do that with the NCAA's fault. No, this is the U.S. Gambling Association. These are the people that watch over gambling saying, yeah, it's not right. The gambling industry says, yeah, we don't need college athletes involved in that. It only leads to problems. I mean, it, look, it led to problems when there, it, when it was illegal. I'll never forget speaking at a fraternity house and a guy, you know, kids like, hey, coach, you're going to cover tomorrow. I go, man, don't ever ask me that question again. And I hope your little ass goes to jail. Because if you're stupid enough to gamble, I hope you go to jail. That was me being an old guy. Uh, I don't know what I think about this. Elon Musk is ordering Twitter to tweak its algorithms to increase the engagement of VIP users. Musk, AOC, LeBron James. Why do we need manufactured engagement? Like, why do we need that? I look at my Twitter and it's from a bunch of people that I don't know. And it's apparently gone to the for you, not who I'm following. If I, wanted, if I wanted information from Slappy Johnny, I would follow Slappy Johnny. I don't need to sit here and go, hey, look, hey, uh, oh, that's really interesting. Some little blogger boy from Indiana is uh, saying, well, Doc, it's you. I don't care about that. I want to follow who I follow. Doesn't that make sense? Dan, Indiana's Final Four is the first floor. Come on. Haters be hating. But yeah, we don't need manufactured engagement. We don't need that. What we need, fellas, ladies, is we just need it, how it was set up. Give me an algorithm that throws my stuff to everybody and followers can see it, retweeters can see it, and stop with the direction. Stop with the funneling. Just let us go. We're good. We're fine. Jeez. Albert Breer talks about the rules proposal to make roughing the passer reviewable. It was voted down. The Eagles proposal to replace the onside kick and uh, with a fourth and 20 play. Uh, they wanted to say, no, we're not going to onside kick. We're going to give you a fourth and 20. So I'm down seven. And what happens is instead of what they want is, and maybe this is a good idea, instead of an onside kick that now because of all the rules maybe happens twice a year, uh, they want to say, all right, we're going to give the team that's losing a little better opportunity by saying it's fourth and 20. I don't know. 
Probably a good idea. Look, I'm all about what brings more excitement into the game. The onside kick used to be kind of an exciting deal. McAvee made it in vogue. But now, I don't know. You know, we can only have so many guys over here. We can only have so many guys over here. It kind of gives you a headache, doesn't it? I mean, let's go. Let's make damn sure that we make the game fun. F-U-N. P-H-U-N. Fun. Fun. All right. Uh, my people say Dan Dockage's people say that. Lamar Jackson's people say that. Lamar wants to be a Colt, or maybe he wants to drink Colt 45, shoot a Colt pistol. I don't know. My phone dropped out for a second. My words matter. And the sooner I learn that, I have not learned that in 20 years because I really don't care what people say on Twitter. I just like going back and forth. But anyway, all right, so we got that. I like this from John Lynch. John Lynch is the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers. John Lynch is not one of those clowns that's afraid. We in Indianapolis got a guy that's a clown that's afraid. John Lynch is not afraid. John Lynch is like, screw it. Brock Purdy is our quarterback. He said if we were to line up, he'd probably take the first snap. Remember, Trey Lance was there. Jimmy G was there. All these little slaps were there, and John Lynch just does not care. Good for John Lynch. See, the winning franchises hold people accountable. I've been screaming about this in Indy since Ryan Grigson unceremoniously and unrightfully got the boot. Don't mess with winning. Don't mess with accountability. Don't mess with somebody that is holding the whole building to a high standard. So John Lynch does that with the 49ers. John Lynch comes in every single day, and I got to believe, I got to believe that John Lynch has the sense of the entire building that, look, you're going to answer to me if you don't do it our way. And our way with the 49ers is pretty good. I mean, they seem to win with every quarterback. They go through the same contract stuff, C. Debo uh, Samuel, that everybody else goes through, but they get it solved. And next thing you know, boom, their toes are tapping, and they fit another quarterback in there. Brock Purdy was really good. I'm sure Trey Lance would be really good if he could stay healthy. Jimmy G was really good. I mean, what the heck? Isn't it amazing, though? And as we get closer to the draft, isn't it amazing that the guys that, quote, move up based on, what's the right word, ancillary things, not the film, after the draft, at quarterback, flame out. They just do. I'm sorry. I know we're not supposed to, but they do. They all flame out. And you know what? Be careful this year. Be careful on the move-up quarterback. I don't think Stroud or Bryce Young are the move-up quarterback. I'm not sure that Levis is. He's always been in the picture, but Anthony Richardson sure is. Is Anthony Richardson Jalen Hurts, or is Anthony Richardson E.J. Manuel, or is Anthony Richardson uh, Mitchell Trubisky? Baker Mayfield? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Back to North Carolina. So Caleb Love was one of the main cogs at North Carolina. He was making tough shot after tough shot. I mean, he was making stuff for Carolina. He was getting it done for Carolina. And guess what? Carolina had a crap year. And I told you this before. I tell you what happens in college basketball. 
Well, Armando Baycott, their big guy with great numbers, came back, and I asked the question, do you think they wanted him? Look, when you're North Carolina, you don't accept the crap that North Carolina put out there this year. You just don't. When you're North Carolina, you demand excellence in every area. North Carolina, to me, has always been the classiest program. Yes, I understand. Yes, I know that you guys think they cheated academically. They didn't cheat academically. The basketball and football program used the guidelines of the school and took the classes that the school okayed. It's as simple as that. Hell, I took bowling. I took billiards. We had Jay, uh, Jay Edwards or some players take independent study courses two weeks to get them eligible second semester in Indiana with Bob Knight. Just stop with that crap. But they've always set a higher standard, and Caleb Love and the rest didn't live up to that standard, at least in my view, on the court. I don't know what's behind the scenes, but I do know this. They had enough talent to make the NCAA tournament, and they didn't. So Caleb Rub, Love writes his whole thing, forever at Tar Heel, blah, 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 blah. That's all I hear when I hear these, well, I'm forever a Tar Heel. See, I'm bad with that. I didn't let a kid take a picture at a wedding, two kids that had quit. I go, now, can we get the guys that didn't quit in this picture? One of them wanted to fight me. He was a big guy, too. But what are you going to do? Don't quit, particularly when a school's been great to you. I'm sure Caleb Love will be visiting every big school in the country, and I'm sure it'll be a great thing for him because some mommy of an Indiana basketball women's player told me that the transfer portal's a great thing, so I must be. But I think it stinks for schools. I think it stinks for coaches, and that's what I'm concerned about. Players are going to be fine. Well, players will be just fine, but had Zach Eady transferred, then I would have really stuck, really, really stuck by the fact that, you know what, the NIL stinks. We should do a show on classes you took in college. Mike McNutt says, I took bowling and racquetball. I took racquetball, but I dropped it. I forgot it was 8 in the morning. Seriously. I forgot it was 8 in the morning. I don't know where this comes from, and let me ask you. Underwater basket weaving. See, I think underwater basket weaving would have been too difficult a class for me to take at Indiana. I'm going to ask my roommate, Roger Wallace. He is the voice of all things Austin, Texas. He is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with the Longhorns, uh, football analyst, knows more about Texas than anybody. He's been a news anchor down there for a long time. But I'm going to ask him, underwater basket weaving to me, I think, would have entailed scuba diving. How else are you sitting under there? I wouldn't have wanted to take it. I think that would have been a hard course. It would have been a physically fitness course, too, because you got to move the baskets to do the weaving, and you're under the water. Caleb Love was a top scorer at North Carolina. The market should be big. Ladies and gentlemen, get your checkbooks out because we got Caleb Love coming to campus. It'll be interesting. The team that you think your team has in college basketball, it does not have. Indiana, North Carolina, some guys back, some guys gone. Duke just got the Proctor kid to come back. Duke and... and uh, Kentucky have always been the team in flux. Now everybody's in flux. It isn't a matter if Anthony Leo, Mr. Basketball from Indiana, who's basically sat on the bench for a couple, three years, it ain't about whether he's going to develop. It's about him getting bypassed. You know who's successful at not doing that? Danny Hurley. You know who's successful at not doing that? Tom Izzo. I'm just saying. 
I'm just saying. There are still some schools that don't. We'll be back. Hey, look, a couple things going on in Texas. Number one, I don't know which one you're more interested in, Rodney Terry getting the head coaching job. My friend Roger Wallace knew that. And also, second thing is Ewers against Arch Manning. Talk about it with the great Roger Wallace next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Wallace, not only my college roommate, one of my college roommates with Big Balls Billy and, of course, the legendary Uva Blah, but he is Texas Athletics, analyst on the football broadcast, uh, anchor KXAN for a long time, not that we're old, but for a long time uh, in Austin, Texas. Nice enough to join us. Hey, Raj, I think you said this going back when we had you on before. Um, not really a surprise at all, was it, that Rodney Terry was named the head man in basketball? You know, it's funny, uh, Dan, he was introduced or reintroduced yesterday, and athletic director Chris Del Conte said we knew December 13th, and he's alluding to the fact that Chris Beard gets arrested the morning overnight, December 12th. They got to go play a pretty good Rice team that night, and he hung together, and, and they won in overtime, and and. You know, it's kind of odd because usually when you hire a coach, you you think you know, but you don't know because he's somewhere else. And you, you kind of the equivalent of seeing the highlights. Well, they saw the behind the scenes of how he handled it that day, that night after the game. Now, I, I don't totally believe that it was all because of that game, but I, I'm not surprised uh, because his credentials were pretty good. It wasn't like, you know, he had 10 years of, of experience uh, at a Division One UTEP and Fresno State, the record wasn't great, but he was rebuilding. Uh, knows the landscape. Recruited with Rick Barnes, went to the Final Four with Rick Barnes. So, not a total shot. I think on December twelfth, not many thought he'd get the job, though. You know, I wish Indiana was like that. Particularly when I saw Cream get twenty-three million. We didn't practice. Went on the road and beat a pretty good Northwestern team. You know, oh, I, I thought about that. I thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought about, you know, the reason that job came open, it wasn't because somebody was leaving or, you know, they weren't an Indiana guy, kind of like the Steve Fisher thing. Oh, we want a Michigan man. But because of, you know, what happened, I, I that exact thing went through my mind. <laughs> I'm like, man, I got a nice text in a Monday morning meeting and a Diet Coke like crap, you know. Um, so now, I, Raj, you it, in a lot of places, it doesn't matter who the coach, guys are going to leave, guys are going to stay. Um, how will that go? What, what, what is the anticipation? Do they have to rebuild the roster like most teams do, or is this roster, because Coach Terry is there, going to stay pretty much intact? I got to believe Marcus Carr has got to be out of there at some point. He's, he's out. He's, he, he's run out okay. of time. Marcus Carr has <laughs> run out of time. Uh, Serge Barry Rice, who was, I mean, I don't know how much you watch Texas, but I got to believe you loved his game. Um, old yes. school. In fact, I, I, I interviewed him, uh, last week before they went to the, uh, sweet 16. I said, everybody's making a, de- a big deal about your head fake. 
you know, where I come from, you know, that's the first thing you do uh, with the ball, but, you know, not so much now, the pump fake. But anyway, he's out. Uh, Christian Bishop is out. Timmy Allen is out. But, yeah, you're right. They've got some uh, – the big one to me is Tyrese Hunter. He's just a sophomore, uh, came from Iowa State, uh, really came on at the end uh, to be what they thought he would be. Uh, I don't know. Yesterday, everybody was there. They were giving him a standing ovation. It was really weird, Dan. During his press conference, I've never seen this before, but then the circumstances were different. But during the press conference, every other thing, he would turn and kind of address his team and 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 go through what they talked about, and they would respond to him. It was really, you know, I joked, finally it was about Rodney Terry because, you know, he deflected every time. Every time they had a big win, he would say, it's not about me, it's about the guys. And I'm going, man, finally it's about you, yet you continue to bring these guys into every conversation uh, during this press conference. But again, you don't have many press conferences where the coach was the coach, et cetera. But I got to believe he's going to be able to keep some of these guys. Hey, Raj, um, people on this show, OutKick is based in Tennessee, which means there's a lot of SEC interest, which means there's a lot of football interest, which means there's a lot of Arch Manning interest. I got to ask you before we get going here, because you have somebody, a name that may be a, a third party in this deal. But I looked at what was going on in Texas, and I know the Ewers kid got hurt, but boy, was he good against Alabama. He was highly touted. He went and made a bunch of money at Ohio State, came back. Ron, what was the thinking of the Mannings behind Arch Manning going to a place where you had a freshman st- uh, starter there already in place? Well, first, my guess is they realize you need to develop a little bit. And and maybe uh, because of their background, they understand that it may not be uh, my kid needs to start right away. Uh, second of all, if yours develops and Steve Sarkeesian's got a pretty good track record developing quarterbacks, he would be eligible for the draft this year. He's just, you know, third year, uh, even though he graduated early, but technically he's his third year removed. Um, and third, I think the intrigue of a Manning somewhere other than the SEC. Now, obviously, he'll end up in the SEC, but they didn't know that at the time when it would happen uh, at Texas, you know, doing something special uh, would be pretty cool. And uh, from all accounts, Cooper Manning really loves Austin. He has some business interests in Austin. So you know, he's got to win the job somewhere. Right. So, you know, maybe he sits a year. Maybe he plays a little bit. You can play four games and still get a redshirt, but I don't think redshirt's an issue. I don't think they expect him to stay uh, four years if he's as good as advertised. So I, I don't think they were going to back down from any competition anywhere. And you mentioned there's a guy named Malik Murphy who is a specimen that reminds people of Vince Young, strictly physically, strictly physically. I'm not going to get going on that, but he's a guy that, that has been hurt and he's healthy, and I think they want to find a way to make him part of this. And, you know, coaches love to, you know, have options on offense. And one would be a big, huge uh, guy that could make defensive coordinators maybe spend a little extra time going, all right, what if we see this guy in the ballgame? This question is kind of, uh, it, it's kind of a loaded, I, guess, I don't even know if it's loaded, but how loved is Quinn Ewers? <laughs> because if he's not, totally loved you and I both know throw an interception hey man 
We want Arch Manning in here. I mean, he 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 better be like loved, 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 like Steve Alford loved by the fan base. <laughs> he, he's loved, but but you know, Steve Alford didn't have to deal with everybody has to deal with now, and that's that instant right. uh, you know, uh instant reaction. He's loved. He's uh he's done some pretty cool things with NIL, very smart. Uh you know, including his teammates in some of his deals. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's pretty quiet, pretty low key, doesn't say anything that's going to give you reason to not, you know, have the same thoughts. But you're right. It's what he does on the field. And if week two, when they go to Tuscaloosa, uh, you know, any quarterback at Texas can be unloved pretty quick if things don't go well. Vince Young wasn't loved his sophomore year, uh, or his redshirt freshman year, rather because he struggled a little bit at quarterback. And then, you know, coincidentally, he became more loved as he started looking like a man among boys out there. (laughs) Coincidentally. (laughs) Amazing how that works. So let me me ask you, is there a sense of – I always go back to this, Roger. When my dad played basketball at Idaho State, he was like their best player, but the coach said, look, I got starters here. I can't play five guys that aren't from the state. I can't have five starters that aren't from the state, which always meant to me that coaches, I never felt this, but coaches feel an external pressure. If, if, if this, you know, Malik Murphy turns out to be a guy, if yours, is there real pressure on, on Sarkeesian to, to, not to do right by, but to play Arch Manning? I don't know about this first year. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what that plan is. And you know, he 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 bristles when already we're talking about quarterback competition. When you know Arch would be in March of his senior year in high school in New Orleans had he not you know graduated early and come in so he could go through spring practice. But it's natural. I mean, you know, they got a lot of attention because they got a guy like Manning, and I think it helped him in recruiting otherwise, and I think it helped Sark. Uh, you know, they they went from five to eight and win. So that certainly helped, too. But you get a guy like that and that helps. Well, then you have to deal with the questions. And he understands that. But I think he almost laughs at us uh, that when that question comes up in March, about August of a kid that, you know, could, still could be in high school. But, yes, I, I think we'll see Arch Manning on the field somehow, some way. Uh, even if he's not the starter, and even if if Quinn Ewers progresses, Dan, to me, this is the the perfect scenario for Texas. He gets better. Manning develops. He still gets to play. And if Texas is really good, they're not going to care what he does with the quarterback. And if they're not very good, he's probably going to make some changes or at least give Manning more chances. So, again, it comes full circle back to if you're winning games, you're going to have trust in the coach, especially – Steve Sarkeesian and the quarterback. That's the one spot I think people are saying, yeah, I think you've got this based on your track record. Uh, how'd they look in spring practice? <laughs> you know, the 15 minutes we get to watch them, they complete every pass, they <laughs> score every touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to play, a, 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 you know, the spring scrimmage in a couple of weeks, and, and, and then at least we'll get to see – you know, kind of more live action with Manning, with people coming at him, not going to touch him. But, you know, guys are going to be running routes against defenders. Um, 
But I, I think the big one was, uh, Dan, between the last regular season game and the bowl game, and Sark talked about, hey, Ewers has made a big jump in this month of practice, and and we actually saw it in a game they didn't have Bijan Robinson or Roshan Johnson, uh, the guys that really carried him offensively. And, you know, they had some drops uh, by a, their leading wide receiver, who, by the way, had a broken hand and nobody knew it, but that's another story. And But he did look like a little bit of a different quarterback. So I think that's why people are saying, all right, if you made that jump in a month, then what's he going to do with a full uh, offseason under his belt as well? Do you, uh, last thing before I let you go, eight and five last year, started out like even in a loss, people had to be enthused. What's good enough this year for the University of Texas? Yeah, I, I think at least that. I think they've got to. I think they've got to really be in the mix to get uh, in that final Big Twelve championship game that uh, they can be a part of. Um, so I don't know. You know, the Big Twelve is going to be kind of jumbled again. I think you can you can you know name about four teams and you wouldn't be called stupid for saying. Uh, they're the favorite. So I, I would think if they don't get to the Big 12 title game, unless something happens, uh, people are going to be a little bit disappointed. They won the first ever Big 12 championship uh, way back in 1996 in St. Louis at the old, I think it was the TWA Dome or the RCA Dome or something. like No, that's Indy. TWA Dome way back then. So we'll see if they can come full circle and at least get a chance to play. Uh, they only played for one Big 12 title since 09, and that was in 2018 when Sam Ellinger lost to Kyler Murray uh, and Oklahoma after beating him in the regular season. It's going to be fun to watch. Really fun to watch. Raj, thanks, man. Can you Tell imagine, Dan, if, thanks if for you were – can I ask you one question? Can you imagine yeah. if you guys had NIL when you and Alford and Uve and Marty Simmons were IU? Can you imagine that? Yeah, I would have had to pay – People, you'd have uh, stayed twelve years. Made a ton. <laughs> oh, I would never leave. I still would have never <laughs> leave. Oh God. Oh, Alford. I always said this, Roger. I would not have been mad if Alford made more money. Like you know, you just or Uve. All right, but if that freaking Stu Robinson or Winston Morgan made more than me, I think I'd have quit. I've been like, wait a second, wait a second here. <laughs> Screw you guys, Courtney Whitty. <laughs> I would have killed him. I'm gonna... uh, <laughs> Thanks, my man. Thank you. Take care. Good to talk to you as always, that's, Dan. Yeah. That's my former college roommate, Uwe Blop, myself, Roger, and Big Balls Billy, catcher on the baseball team. Big Balls Billy is now an uh, athletic director back in our hometown, and uh, Roger has been a great, not good, a great, great broadcaster. Uh, in Austin, Texas, and not only that, but he's on the Texas Radio Network as a football analyst, and he's worked his way, and he's worked like crazy. In fact, I always felt bad in college because Roger went to class. Roger didn't drink. Roger went to class, and I'm sitting there like a slap going, yeah, I ain't going to class. There's nothing there for me. I'll write the papers, and away we go. I can tell the bursar is probably going to hit me with a a bill here. Well, you didn't go to class. Well, what are you going to do? Uh, long story, but anyway, it is going to be interesting in Texas because people think, well, you know, Arch Manning's coming in, but as Roger said, Malik Murphy, hey, Ewer's pretty good. I mean, damn, the dude went out of high school early and went to Ohio State. Next thing you know, Ewer's is making a million dollars and never even plays, goes back, and he starts, and I don't know, from the start he looked good, and then at the end, uh, he looked, I thought, really good as well. And then, of course, Rodney Terry is the head coach. I mean, what are you going to do? Rodney Terry is the head coach. is terrific. 
A um, couple of things that I would like to get to, and one of them goes back to Lamar Jackson. Look, I keep reading this, and this is stupid to me, and I'd like your opinion. I'm going to get on here, and I want your opinion on this. I read people, and, and guys say, well, if you're going to get Lamar Jackson, then you've got to play Lamar Jackson, quote, style of football. My question is, what is Lamar Jackson's style of football? You're not running the triple option with Lamar Jackson. I mean, are you? I mean, you know the guy's going to take off and run. Okay, but that's not necessarily your style. If a team plays man-to-man, what happens? Everybody's kind of focused on their man. You turn your head, Lamar Jackson's going for 60. But that's not necessarily Lamar Jackson's style. That's not in the playbook. That's like, hey, Lamar, in this set, they go, man, you may have a running option. Well, he knows that already instinctively. He's been doing that forever. At least I think he has. So what, quote, is Lamar Jackson's style? You know, it's fascinating to me. you got to change your whole thing. Really? See, when I see Aaron Rodgers, the one thing that I see with Aaron Rodgers is, hey, man, you got some weapons over there. You know, that Garrett Wilson's a damn good wide receiver. They got some guys, but I don't think you got to change anybody's style. I just think if you get Lamar Jackson, what do you get? You get a potential game-breaking playmaker that, frankly, I don't know why you wouldn't want. I don't know if in the NFL anything, any number is too much money. What would be too much money for a franchise that right now has nothing interesting going? Here's what I would do. I would do this. I would say, hey, we're signing Lamar Jackson. I would have some really smart guys figure out where we're at with season tickets and sponsorships and where they estimate we would be by bringing Lamar Jackson in. Meaning, let's just say for the sake of argument, we sell 10,000 more season tickets at 300 a pop. I don't know that answer, but that seems like a lot. Was that 3 million? 30 million? I don't know. I'm not even going to do the math. 10,000 times 300, and actually the tickets are more than that. So I sit here and I go, all right, okay. Is he worth it? And then you get on the field, and then you got a buzz, and then he gets hurt, and there's your problem. Now, they are also saying, I got up early this morning, I was watching a lot of these shows, they're also saying that there's really no interest, a specific team in Lamar Jackson. I don't, nobody knows that. Because if I'm a general manager, I'm not letting anybody know that. The Colts went about as far as you could go by saying, hey, look, guess what? We, ladies and gentlemen, are going to kick the tires on looking at him. But damn, you're going to sell a, you're going to sell to the Colts fans, Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles, and Sam Ellinger. All right. We've talked to Roger before. We did. We talked to Roger before about Ellinger, and everybody loves Ellinger. Like, he is, you know, Eddie Haskell. He is Beaver Cleaver. He is the guy you want dating your daughter. I get it. We all get it. But let's be honest. Is he going to win your football games? And the answer is, oh, hell no. So you go out, you get Lamar Jackson, and you don't sweat it even for one second. He gets hurt, you got Minshew if you're the Colts. It's that Simple, period. He who listens to the media 
as a coach, player, or general manager ends up where, ladies and gentlemen? Sitting with the media or fans. It's actually more about fans, but the media, you get the point. So don't be stupid here. Let's make damn sure that we go out if you're the Colts and not only kick the tires, but make an offer. I mean, who cares about a guard? Who cares about a linebacker? I care about the quarterback. I care about the quarterback, period. And if you're the coach, you got to do the same thing. That's why you're seeing what the Jets are doing. Shoot, are you kidding me? The Jets are sitting there going, hey, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Now, one of the things about Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson was on social media defending why he didn't play in last year's playoff game. Now, that to me would be a question. Wouldn't it be to you? Wouldn't it be to you? Let's get real. I'd rather have a 100% PCL than go out there, play horrible, forcing myself to put my guys in a bad situation. Now, that's selfish to me. I don't remember me sitting out on my guys week one versus Jets to week 12. How come all of a sudden I sit out because of money in which I could have got hurt at any time within that time frame when we know the Super Bowl has been on my mind since April of 2018? Is it really? I mean, you can say that, but is it really? I mean, look, I get it. You got a PCL that isn't 100%. Okay. But if the Super Bowl has been on your mind, then you play in a playoff game. I don't know. He ruled himself out. They didn't rule him out. He ruled himself out. Period. I mean, hey, look. I don't know. To me, that's a red flag. Now, maybe I can get that solved. It's not fatal, but I sure want to know. I do. I sure want to know what's going on. All right. Arthur Blank, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons. Looking at it objectively, there is some concern about whether or not he can play his style of game for it and how long that can last. I'm not sure. It's only 26, hopefully a long time for his benefit or anyone he's signed with, but he's missed five to six games each of the last two seasons. This is not like baseball and basketball where you play 82 to 100 and 62 games or whatever baseball is now. He's right. I think Lamar's situation, Blank goes on to say, and I really, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about players in other clubs, but Lamar's situation, I think, is very different. He's a very different player in a very different time. What he's saying there is he's a different player, a player that gets hurt, and a different time is he didn't play in the playoff game. That's how I read it. You could read it differently. And that is why I say that has to be a red flag that has to get solved if, in fact, you're going to give Lamar Jackson a $200-plus million guaranteed or mostly guaranteed deal. That has to be figured out. And if you can't figure that out, then you can't sign him. Because let me ask you a question. Who wants a guy in the NFL, as long as that season has become, that in week 17 or in the first round of the playoffs says, yeah, I'm not 100%, I can't go. No, nobody wants that because nobody's 100%. It's a huge red flag. Like, the other day, we had Sean Merriman on, and this struck me, and I want to make this point about Lamar Jackson. Did you see? And injuries are all different. I get it. I swear to God, I get it. And people dealing with injuries are all different. I had a player at Bowling Green that tried to rehab his knee, didn't do a very good job of it. He never played again. I had another player at Bowling Green 
had an ACL, both had ACLs. Next thing you know, he's rehabbing. He's back in less than six months, which at that time was unheard of. So here's the deal. When Sean Merriman talked about Patrick Mahomes, what did he say? Man, did you see how he wanted to get back in there in the game he was hurt? Did you see how he went about his business with a high ankle sprain when he was hurt? That garnered the respect of everybody, including a guy, old school guy like Sean Merriman. Okay. The opposite is also true among guys like Sean Merriman. Did you see Lamar Jackson not playing that playoff game? Not because the team ruled him out. He didn't play in that playoff game because he ruled him out. And that, ladies and gentlemen, goes the other way relative to respect. One guy, exponential respect, not only because how good he is, Mahomes, how much of a winner he is, Mahomes, but how he played through pain. The other guy, Jackson, didn't want to do it. Doesn't mean he's wrong. Doesn't mean he didn't make the smart decision. But when we're simply talking about the respect of others in the NFL, it makes me wonder, is the big time, big time, big time NFL person that tweeted or texted me saying, Dan, be careful what you wish for with Lamar Jackson. He's not what you think. No, no. Certainly makes it interesting. And those are the reasons you, you listen to our show, because we're going to shoot you real. We're not going to BS here. We're going to shoot you real. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, for you Indiana people that are very excited now, uh, a Ball State transfer named Peyton Sparks, I believe is his name, big old heavyset dude, he is transferring to Indiana University. He's a big old post guy. That's why I'm saying. Don't be stupid and say, well, you know, uh, Indiana isn't, doesn't have their team. No, stop. Indiana doesn't have their team, but it is not about they're losing everything. They can't reload. Peyton Sparks a load. Peyton Sparks, big, strong kid. I feel bad for Mike Lewis. Mike Lewis probably thought that he had a guy in Sparks for another couple years. Now he does not. I look at it weird. Like, I look at it like if I'm the head coach at Indiana, I'm not taking a a guy from Ball State. But that's not the right way to look at it, and I probably wouldn't. I'd probably talk to Mike because things don't happen in a vacuum. Mike's a friend. I recruited him to Indiana. But there you go. So Indiana, there you go. They got themselves a big Saratoga bar has good food. Where's that? I'm going to Saratoga. Wait, are you guys on the YouTube chat talking about Saratoga? If you are, I want to be involved because Lee yesterday uh, just said, hey, look, you got to get a hold of your friends. We got to go to Saratoga. I got a bunch of What the Hell Wednesdays coming up that you will absolutely not believe. It's one of those deals where you go, what is this? No, you actually go, what the hell? Be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned.
Hey, welcome back. Uh, Dan Dockage here. Look, I don't care any of it. I don't care. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Down by Junior's Farm. We got What the Hell Wednesday. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what to tell you, but you people out there are completely insane. And I'm here for it. Possibly the most insane car crash ever. The driver of the Kia that you're going to see actually walked away unharmed. Kias are safe, baby. Let's see it. What are we? Bing, bang, boom. Here we go. We're just driving down the street, sweet as you please, minding our own business, when all of a sudden, here comes a Kia, when all of a sudden, boom! Is that unbelievable? Is that unbelievable? Look at this. It's not over. I mean, the tire is bouncing, and this dude walks away safely from this. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a what the hell. You're just driving. Now, I got a question to ask, because boom! Because I don't know, but why is there a camera in this car as it's driving. I always wonder that. Like, I see these things and I say to myself, all right, I don't know that I have ever, I don't know, have you ever just put your camera on as you drive? I don't think I have. Maybe I have. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is, I wish I would. I have seen cars flip over, uh, pull the guy out of a ditch, driving down the street, between uh, like Punta Gorda Airport and Marco Island, dude in the highway like that on the right side flipped over. I wish I had it on video. Lee and I got out and we ran and we got the guy out of the car because, well, frankly, I'm an American hero, but I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. And I got to tell you, I don't think my damn camera is always going to be ready to show something like that. And look at this guy. Now, look, I've also got to tell you, seatbelts matter, no? Because if that dude didn't have a seatbelt on, I got to believe he's in the other lane or he's thrown or he's somewhere that is not good, suffering from every injury that you could possibly uh, deal with. Man. All right. How about this? A 14-year-old boy needed size 23 shoe. Listen, to, look at this guy. Look at the size on this 14-year-old. His name is Eric, Eric Kilburn Jr. He has a foot bigger than Shaq. So Eric Jr.'s mother pled for help in finding shoes that her son could wear that wouldn't cripple the family financially. Now, that is interesting because shoes like that have to be special made, and they cost a fortune. I mean, hell, we all know. We all know how much regular shoes cost. Imagine for this. Look at that picture in the middle. I mean, handsome on the left, very handsome and pretty on the right, and just a stud in the middle. So he was doing an interview on uh, the Today Show, I guess, with Today.com, and next thing you know, brands were stepping up. The dude is six foot ten. He's on the ninth grade team. Under Armour promised fast action, and the company delivered by sending Rob Kropp, Senior Director of Footwear Development at Under Armour, to scan his foot 
So the shoes can be built for the kid. Mom is 6'2". Dad is 6'5". His brother is 11 years old. He stands 5'11". He's going to wear the largest shoes that Under Armour has ever made. They're going to get him school shoes, football cleats, track shoes. And they're also considering a Kilburn-sized pair of hunting boots. The mom, and this is what you do, uh, thought her only option was a $1,500 pair of orthotics, which you put in the shoes. Wow. Good for Under Armour, man. Good for Under Armour. The largest shoe in NBA history is Shaq, and he was 22. Good for this kid, man. And there are pictures of this guy uh, from Under Armour putting the big kid Kilburn Jr.'s feet on their little scale thing here, molder, so that they could mold the shoes to his feet. The biggest issue that big dudes have is with their damn feet. Feet first, baby. Feet first. Uh, Dan Van Pasterman says, I would just wear my football shoes all the time. Let the school pay for them. Yeah. Biggest shoes ever on a 14-year-old kid. Good for that kid, man. And good for Under Armour. Seriously, isn't that great? You know, we always criticize. His name is Bryce Tillata. He went all crazy. He went full Danny Ocean. He was arrested on account of simple burglary after he allegedly stole $1,500 worth of beer from Tiger Stadium. That's right. Talat and a group of college-age males decided to take a little trip to Tiger Stadium. They checked the beer, loaded it into the black pickup truck, took off. However, you and I, as adults, sober adults, at least for right now, understand what? We understand that everything you do is on camera. License plates and cameras and crime don't mix. Camera got the plate. The cops came to Talata's room. They found the beer. $1,500, according to David Hookstead, our friend who wrote the article, says you could score around 75 cases of Bud Light. Now, someone had the idea to pull this off, a bunch of dudes sitting around, and no one said no. These dudes are like SEAL 6. They're sneaking in. They drove their own vehicle. As soon as the truck was picked up on a surveillance camera, it was done. All right, here's the deal. They definitely need to know just how many cases. That's fine. Next thing you know, you got to show up in court. Look, I'd be a bad juror. I'd be like, fellas, here's the deal. It's as simple as I can make. I am not going to do anything. If I were the judge, I'd say, fellas, you stole $1,500 worth of beer. You're going to pay $1,500. Figure it out. You're going to pay $1,500 to this charity. You're going to put the beer back. And you're going to work for free at Tiger Stadium uh, for one day in the back bowels. Not so you can watch the football game, but you're going to you're going to deliver. You're going to haul. You're going to do all this stuff with beer. Now, do that. We got no record of nothing. 
That's what I, I'm not charging this guy with anything, but again, I'm crazy. All right, Cracker Barrel, and this is good. Look, Portland is a cesspool of insanity. Portland and all the little woke cities that have popped up around our country are horrific. They're awful. They're god-awful. Don't like them, don't need them, don't want them. All right? Here's the deal. So Portland, Oregon, hey, let's make sure we retweet it from OutKick. Portland, Oregon has now lost Cracker Barrel. They're the latest business to flee Portland, Oregon. The crazy liberal utopia continues to implode. Just 11% of Portland voters now believe the city is headed in a proper or right, quote, direction. A complete mess is Portland, Oregon. Uh, When Cracker Barrel doesn't want to be around you, Cracker Barrel to me seems like that old school, you know what? Well, we just want a bunch of old people come in here and have the meatloaf. Read the signs. Play the little game with the pit, with the T's, right? Try to get one T left. That's all we're trying to do. Chicken fried steak on Tuesdays. You kidding me? Hey, and now all of a sudden you got these crazy people. You got these maniacs that are running around in freaking uh, Portland, Oregon. People taking dumps on the street. People not showering. The hair coming out of the women's freaking, uh, what's it called, armpits is grotesque enough. I would leave too, and only 11% of you think this lawless, lawless, ridiculous, hippie-laden society is headed in the right direction. Good for you, Portland. God bless you. God bless everyone. I'm just telling you. It's insanity that we allow these idiots to, you know what? infiltrate the real world. Let them be hippies elsewhere. Let them have Chaz somewhere out. I just watched the uh, Branch Davidian. It's really good on Netflix. Really good. The latest Waco. Stupid good. All right. Ridiculously good. And it's only three episodes. And it's like one of the FTA agents says, what's this place doing out here in the middle of nowhere? See, you can have your own opinion on Waco, fine. But I got to ask, just move all your stuff out in the middle of nowhere. Don't let them in your cities or else your city becomes a place where businesses say adios, where people say, I'm done. It's over. I'm done. Goodbye. Forget about it. We're gone. Sheesh. Go there, get you some weed, run around the outdoors. But I've been to Portland. It's fine, but I was there pre-Chaz. You know what I'm saying? Jeez. All right. All right. A New York shelter is seeking a new home for a dog and a goat. Why, you ask? Well, because they're best friends. Look at them. Now, that's a cute picture. Look, I am not the guy that says, oh, when you see animals. I am not the guy that goes, oh, I just love my doggy so much. No, I told Lee the other day that it was so nice coming home Sunday night and not having Lula, who's over here sitting, sniffing around in my food, having to be walked, having to take her out and get a dump going. It was so nice. It just was. Jeez. And now I had to go get Lula. I'll take a picture of Lula sitting here like a freaking clown. I don't know what she's doing. There she is. 
It's a bit of a mess down here. I'll send it to Dylan. They can post it. Lou ain't got no friends. But there you go. Sometimes dogs and cats and farm animals and everybody else, they just hang out together. Ain't no thing. Nobody's mad about it. So they're trying to find, they're trying to find a home for these two so that they could chill out. This is going to be, when I get it to Dylan, I just sent it to you, Dylan, this is going to be a live picture of my dog currently sitting there. Uh, Question asked on the YouTube chat, Waffle House or Cracker Barrel? To me, it's a no-brainer. To me, I go to Cracker Barrel today, tomorrow, and the next day. I've actually gone out of my way, ladies and gentlemen. I have. I've gone out of my way to find a Cracker Barrel. I've never gone out of my way to find a Waffle House. Those of you older Indiana people will know the name Bruce's. Every college has a place where you go after your drinking. You got many Waffle Houses in Bloomington, Indiana. Bruce's was open at 3 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. So we would go to Bruce's maybe twice a day, 3 in the morning, and then we'd catch breakfast. And we got to eat there for free until Coach Knight found out and he shut it down and I thought he was going to kill Bruce. I did. Bruce was an old guy. I thought he was going to kill him. But anyway, so dogs and cats living together, goats living together, and away we go. All right, let's hit some woke-a-dope, shall we? Let's see who is woken, and let's see who is doping right now. Going a little early. I got a lot to say at the end. Oh, man. Fear, listen to NBC News. Fear pervades Tennessee's trans community amid focus on Nashville shooters' gender identity. We already are fearing for our lives now. It's even worse. Yeah, that's what we're worried about. They massacre kids. They're still a victim. This is a little harsh by Matt Walsh. This is trans privilege in a nutshell. Even when they massacre children, they're still the victim. Look, that's the world we live in. One of the things that I learned yesterday when I was dealing with an onslaught of Zach Eady people and haters of Double D who are actually lovers of Double D. Remember, hate or love is the best, hate's the second best, apathy the worst. But anyway, everybody turns into a victim. So NBC News, can you imagine if this was a white heterosexual dude that did the shooting? Could you imagine the outrage from the clown that is Joe Biden? Can you imagine the outrage from NBC News. This is another trans person that commits a mass shooting. It's the second, I think, in a row. And we don't want to talk about it, do we? We don't want to speak on it because, well, it might offend 0.00 whatever percent of our population. Here's the deal. I think we're starting to see what's real here. There is mental illness involved in this. Not all. Of course not all. But in some, 42% of trans people commit suicide. Is that the fault of people not accepting them? Or is that something going on in their own brain? There's a lot to get to here. But NBC, ABC, and all your major news organizations are so busy defending. They're so busy hoping, making a victim out of the trans community that none of them have asked a question that Clay Travis has asked. And it's simply this. If this person was on transgender medication, what's the medication doing? How's the medication blending with other medications that person 
might be on. That's a legit question. You don't hear these news organizations doing that. News organizations and our government, they are trying their hardest to create a narrative that goes against, frankly, white heterosexual people, that goes against the family, goes against black heterosexual people that are moms and dads. They're just trying to destroy the nuclear family, and it's silly. And you can say whatever you'd like, but you're nuts. It's wrong. Mental health issues are real, and it is very safe to say that the trans community has that in them as well. We all do. We do. I don't know what to tell you. Dan, we've seen plethora of shooters at every shape and color, and it's truly not the relevant issues. I agree with that. The relevant issues, in my opinion, relative to kids is relative to kids. How do we protect kids? Sure, we can keep making excuses and saying Trump did this and Trump did that, and it's not our thing, but I just saw we're sending another billions of dollars to Ghana to study women's opportunities. I don't want a billion sent to Ghana to study women's opportunities. I want a billion sent to schools to protect my daughter, who's a school teacher, to eventually uh, protect my grandkids that'll be going to school. That's what I want a billion spent on. You? I don't know. But we don't seem to want to do that. We seem to want to make damn sure that women's opportunities in Ghana is more important. Yes, I know. You can make all the excuses you want about the assault ban. Maybe Trump did something stupid. Maybe he did. Then solve it. Isn't that what happens? Republican comes in, they deregulate, they do these things. Democrats come in, they regulate. How about we solve it? How about we come up with a plan that at least gives hope that we can solve it? And I gave it to you yesterday. Lock every door. Bulletproof glass. Every opportunity to get into a building. Bulletproof glass. They have the technology. They're doing it in Arkansas. I was so pleased yesterday because I was texting my daughter. They have a loaded gun cop in the school. I'm good with that. Make all the excuses you want. That didn't stop them in the supermarket. That's fine. Make. I'm giving you a series of things, fools. A series. No, I didn't talk to you. You're not allowed to talk to me unless I say, hey, Siri. I said series. I did not say. Don't need him in Ghana. What the hell's going on in Ghana? Looks to me like we need him here. No, it's unbelievable. We got any more? Uh, woke a dope? Or did we do two? I cannot remember. Oh, these idiots. There you go. Lord help us. It's exactly right. On the right is what's going on in our country. On the left is what's going on among the real leaders of the world. The leaders that we cow down to. Look at these two on the right. Yesterday, the clown Jean-Pierre, whatever her name is, blamed it all on Republicans. How do Republicans tell their, uh, talk to the parent? Really? Okay. Uh, how about you come up with a plan? How about you come up with something, something, something? That's a plan. Not just blaming everybody every single time something goes wrong. How about that? Is that so crazy? You want me to continue with my plan? You actually have two armed guards, one in the front, one in the back. Doors are locked. ID to get in. Most places have it. All don't. 
So when I look at this, I say to myself, what are you guys, nuts? How about this? How about this? I'm not for arming teachers. My daughter did not go to Indiana to become a teacher so that she could, ladies and gentlemen, shoot somebody. That's not what they're supposed to be doing. How about we have a special, we always do these task forces. How about in every community, we have a certain task force. We spend money because you got to get people to do it. We have a task force that is charged with going through the social media accounts. There are all kinds of ways to do this to find people that are potentially dangerous. Meeting with those people. Scaring those people if you have to. It's unbelievable. Bulletproof the doors, bulletproof the windows, bulletproof the school. Spend the money here. Jeez. I mean, truly. Spend the money here. Period. Here. Not somewhere else. Here. I get it. You guys think you're you're, you're straightening the world. I get it. You're pandering for votes. I get it. You got a platform that doesn't put America first. I understand it. I think we all do. But my God, Kamala Harris is set to unveil a million, excuse me, a billion dollar plan in Ghana to promote women's economic empowerment. And the woman can't even say what the hell a woman is. The left can't even tell you what a woman is, but we're going to spend a billion. This is another way to funnel cash out of the United States. And somehow they're going to bring it back. You know they are. A billion effing dollars to Ghana. Is that unbelievable? No, it's very believable. All right, this has been up here a minute. Is Zach Eady transferring? Yeah, it remains to be seen. I don't listen to players. I don't know. The hell do I care? And I know this. I may get caught again today. And I know this, you guys can kiss my backside. You can kiss it with two lips. Those of you that come out of the woodwork, I'd respect you. Those of you that come out of the woodwork, I mean, I'd respect you if when we do our bikes program, when little Ryan Phillips and all the little clowns with uh, Indiana, I respect you if you promoted that. Rip me all you want, but be fair, that's my dog. Now, it looks like a mess over there, but that's a chair with a blanket on it. And the clothes you see, well... That's my mess back here. But that's my dog, Lula. Lula is chilling. And when I say Lula is chilling, I mean Lula is straight out absolutely 1,000% chilling. i tell you what she's getting ready to do. She's getting ready to take a walk. Because after the show, I do my John Fetterman impression. I put on a pair of sweatpants, my hooded sweatshirt. I put her on a leash and we go for a good two miles. That's right. And oh, by the way, I'm not paid for this on this show, but I got to tell you, QC Kinetics, I am Benjamin Buttons. My wife, I'm doing three things. I'm doing this thing with Affinity Whole Health, testosterone shots. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I got more energy. I got, I'm feeling like a hundred bucks. I got a knee that's knee on knee. I'm doing QC Kinetics. I'm going to run a half marathon. I am. Or probably not a half marathon. I did it once. It was, I don't like the training. I didn't mind the running. it. I just didn't like the training. Probably a 5K. I've not run in 10 years since I ran a half marathon. Tell you what, this stuff is good. 
So Lula and I go for a walk. My left knee, bone on bone. It doesn't hurt. Lee calls me seriously. She goes, I need to get on some of these drugs. You become Benjamin Buttons. I have QC Kinetics. Look it up with an X. Affinity Whole Health. Testosterone shots. My wife wasn't in town. I can't give it to myself. So yesterday, my neighbor's a nurse. I said, hey, you mind coming in giving me a shot? She did. All good. Telling you. Best thing I ever did. We all want to live with pain. I don't want to get knee replacement surgery. I'm soft. I had hip replacement surgery. And if you're looking for a hip guy, I got a great hip guy in Indy. Name is Dr. Her. Holy cow. Here's what Dr. Her did. Are you ready? So Dr. Her, I called him like it was hurting one day. It was like third day after the operation. You know what Dr. Her said? He said, hey, Dan, that's your fault, not mine. I go, really? He goes, yeah, it was perfect. The surgery was perfect. I'm like, all right. Outkick is not affiliated with QC Connect. No, it's not affiliated with any of this. I just, if I'm going to do a show and be a fat old man, I'm going to tell you, I am not going to tell you about the hair transplant place that I go to because it didn't work. (laughs) I will tell you one other thing. And we're not affiliated, ladies and gentlemen. We're not affiliated with McDonald's, but I saw an interesting new diet. Did you see this? (laughs) Did you see the new diet? The guy went to McDonald's. He went to McDonald's for like 60 days. And lost weight. I did a diet where I wasn't allowed to eat inside my house, which means no picking. I'm not affiliated with McDonald's, but I'm not afraid to try that bad boy. Yeah. We're not affiliated with it. Oh, I am affiliated with these guys because I like them and I'll talk about them ad nauseum, but I got to tell you. Lee called me Benjamin Buttons. I had to register. Like, is that good or bad? Oh, yeah, it's the guy that kept getting younger. It's kind of the Peter Pan thing. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. Chasing her around the house like it's my job. Yeah. Look at that hair. You know how much powder went into that hair? You guys don't respect. I used to have this powder I bought for like 89 bucks. Makes your hair thicker. When I was going on TV, that was at Syracuse. Oh, man. All right, we're done. We're done for today. We covered a lot of ground today. I got to thank everybody that came on the show. Wednesdays are tough sometimes in sports talk, but you guys on the YouTube chatting on Twitter, you brought it. Yeah, that's handsome. I let my stuff grow out, lost a little weight. Coaching at IU. See the guy bottom right corner, the fat-ass kid? Worst human being I ever coached. That guy right there. Very, very corny. You see the lady, and then you look to the right. Worst, been thrown out of every league he's ever played in. 797 pounds. His name is DeAndre Thomas. Awful. Awful. Two big brains is coming at you uh, tomorrow. Uh, We had to take a little hiatus. Those of you that are on the YouTube chat, I cannot thank you enough. Ryan and Dylan and Davey and Aaron. And certainly Gary, and of course, we always go to Haley and uh, Kaylee, everybody that helps on our show. Thank you all so much. And of course, our fearless leader, Clay Travis. Keep hating everybody. We're going to be here every day, and you'll figure it out. You'll come around to an honest way of outkick thinking. Have a great, great, great afternoon. Screw Wisconsin. They cost me a lot of money last night. See you.